Good morning. Feel free to have a seat. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon Church, and we are overjoyed that you have chosen to spend part of your weekend with us here, worshiping God. Uh, so I'm going to uh, date myself a little bit. Um, so when Eric and I first got married, uh, a little over 13 years ago now, her favorite TV show uh, was this like kind of game show called Wipeout. Um, and she used to laugh hysterically through the whole beginning part of it. Um, and these contestants uh, would uh, run this obstacle course, and it was kind of wet and messy and tough. Um, and her favorite uh, event that they would do was called the Big Balls. And it was literally four huge inflatable balls that you would have to jump across to get to the next like landing. And the contestants would, would, would climb back up to this, uh, like, almost like a high dive kind of platform to, to be able to access the, the first big ball. And they were often uh, muddy, because I think the previous event was like a rope swing over like a mud pit. And so now they're, they're climbing up this high dive thing. They're muddy, and they, they get real excited, because it's also like a race. Like, the, you want to have, like, the best time across all of these obstacles. And every time they would get up to the top, they'd run, they'd literally like bounce on the first one and they would like kind of be flying in the air and it looks really good and then they would start to like rotate by the time they got to the second one and needless to say they would hit the second one start to do like a flip then like face plant onto the third ball like they wouldn't even touch the fourth ball and they, then they would fly back and they would fall into the water down below and every time you like knew this was going to happen like I don't, know, I don't know if we've ever had watched this show. We, we, this is how dated we are. You used to have to like DVR it. Like This was before you know, everything was on streaming. Just watch it later. We had to DVR it because um, this was Erica's favorite show. This is like what we did on Sunday afternoons after church is, um, is we'd watch this show, and she would just crack up laughing. They would faceplant every single time. Like We knew what to expect. Like There was going to be failure. They were not making it across all four of these big balls, and this is the story that, that we knew every time. And we come to this same expectation when we approach the story of Jonah. We've been reading through the story of Jonah as we think about our own life of making a turnaround. And the story of Jonah, it's a story that if you've grown up in the church or um, you've even just heard it in culture, it's a story of, of Jonah and the whale. And we don't often know much more about it. We don't really dig deeper into that because we just expect the same thing over and over again. Um, it's the classic story, and if you haven't had a chance to read it over this last month of July that we've been digging into Jonah, I encourage you to read it. it. It's only four chapters, and in my Bible, it's literally just two pages. If you have one of those bigger print font Bibles, it might be three. Like, you can really do it in one sitting, or you could break it up this week, do it four days, four chapters, one a day. Uh, I encourage you to take the time this week to read it, because the story of Jonah is so much more than we expect to happen it's such a deeper story. So just to give you a little background, I want to uh, summarize what we've been talking about over the last three weeks, um, and then we'll really dig in at the end in chapter four. So Jonah uh, was, lived about 700 years before Jesus, and we don't really know a whole bunch about this guy named Jonah. Um, if, if you open up your Bibles, if you got it with you, go ahead and open up to Jonah chapter 1. We'll be skipping around. And again, it's, we're flipping just one page probably or maybe two at the most. So there's not a whole bunch you'll have to do. Um, but if you want to open up to chapter 1, if you've got it on your phone, I'm a huge fan of the Bible app. It's a free resource. I don't get any like commission or anything 
uh, hit it, download it. Uh, it's a great way to keep the Bible on you at all times. Uh, so Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 here, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. So that's really all we know about Jonah is that he's the son of Amittai. Uh, we don't know. Uh, there's a, a reference in the, in the book of 2 Kings to this other or potentially other guy named Jonah that is a prophet. But in this book of Jonah itself, Jonah is never called a prophet. The only thing we know about him is he is the son of Amittai. Jonah, at this moment, was just a regular guy when the word of the Lord came to him. He was a regular guy doing regular guy things at this moment. We, he, he had no special training that we know of. He had no special gifts. He was just the son of Amittai. And it's here that God begins to create a turnaround by interrupting Jonah's life, Jonah's regular life. And so we keep reading, the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So Jonah then gets, this regular guy gets his call, he gets interrupted, and God calls him to turn around his life to go do something at this moment. And this is a big deal. This is leave your home and go to Nineveh. And Nineveh, as, uh, as Pastor Erica was talking about before, is a city that would have been in modern day like Iraq. And so he was going to move very far away from his home. Again, Jonah, regular guy, had no special gifts. So go move away from your home. Go to almost modern day Iraq and preach in Nineveh. Go very far away. Do something risky upset your normal life. I don't really see any perks myself in doing this. I'm sure Jonah had, you know, he had locked in his interest rate on his mortgage when it was real low, and he's like, I don't really want to give this up to go move to Nineveh, right? Like, this is, this is not something that I want to do. It has no real value in my life. It was full of risk and would mess up the life that he had created for himself at his home. And God interrupts him and calls him, to a turnaround, to a new direction. And these new directions will have challenges. They will cause things in our life to unravel. And it's in these moments that God does something. Sometimes these turnarounds in our lives are something we've created for ourselves. We've created these, these things in our life that we need to turn around from. Sometimes our turnarounds are, are things that other people have created in our own life. Sometimes we are faced with, with turnarounds just because of a disaster. We're heading into hurricane season. Those turnarounds that, that folks have to face, there are challenges. Things unravel, and you have to make a turnaround. It's nothing you've done on your own. And sometimes turnarounds happen because God shows up on the scene. Just think about Moses. Moses, again, a regular guy doing regular things like tending the sheep, and God shows up in a burning bush and calls him to a turnaround. Or Mary, she was a regular girl. And God calls her to be the, son, the mother of Jesus. The angel shows up in her life and calls her to a turnaround. And at each of these turnarounds, it's a reminder that our story is not over. When Jonah was called to this new way of life, his story was not over. It was a new beginning. And the story of Jonah I think is really a story of how not to deal with the turnaround, if anything. Because what does Jonah do in, in verse 3? 
It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. So Tarshish, we've talked a little bit about this before. Tarshish uh, is, is thought to have been in somewhere on the, the Mediterranean Sea near a modern-day Spain, Portugal, that like Iberian Peninsula. He was heading for the beach, as, as Pastor Erica likes to reference. He was heading for the sun. He was going on vacation. So in the, in the ancient world, these two places, Nineveh and Tarshish, were like the opposite ends of the known world at that point. Like this was as far away from Nineveh as he could get. He went. He went to Tarshish. So he went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So he went away and flees. And this is really like, this is just like ancient humor. Like, this is a satire of sorts where, where the author is saying he went as far away as possible to go. And I don't know if you caught this reference. He, he goes down to Joppa. He runs away to Joppa. He goes down. And then when he gets on the boat, does anyone remember where he goes on the boat? He goes down. He goes to the bottom of the ship, it says. And not only does he go down, he goes down into a deep sleep. So he goes down and down and down, running from this interruption in his life. It's a funny story when you start to think about those layers. He's going as far away as possible. Jonah is a story about what not to do when God begins to interrupt your life. How willing are you to let God mess up your life a little bit? Have you ever felt one of those nudges, those taps on the shoulder? Have you ever felt a call? And it doesn't just have to be a new job. These turnarounds, these, these taps, these nudges happen in our life, in our, in our relationships. They do happen in our jobs. They happen in our life and how we are living it. Have you ever experienced it like Jonah and wanted to avoid that interruption as much as possible? And you can literally run away just like Jonah or you ever mentally or emotionally ran away? You, you put up the walls. You mentally block it out like this isn't happening. If I just pretend like it's not happening, this won't happen, right? And we do it spiritually. I'm not gifted enough. I don't know enough. I could never do that. And running can work in the short term. We, we see that in the story of Jonah. It works. Jonah goes down to Joppa, he gets on the boat, he starts to sail away towards Tarshish. And it works for a little while. But then a storm comes up on the boat. And as he keeps running further and further away, the storm grows stronger and stronger. And eventually, something has to change. Because an authentic call on our life demands our attention. It demands a response. You can't run forever from this call of new life. The further Jonah got away, the stronger the storm got. And here's the thing. Remember what the original call was? To go to the great city of Nineveh? Chapter 1, verse 2. And in verse 3, 
He's smelling like fish guts. He's been puked out onto the beach. And in chapter 3, this is what God says again. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give to you. The call is still the exact same. Even after running, even after getting on the boat, going down, 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 the storm coming up, the call is still the same. The call didn't change. He still has the same call. This is a story about what not to do when faced with a turnaround. There are three things I want to highlight today. If you are serious about in your, in your life, wanting to allow God to work something new, to experience new life, new possibilities. And, and the first thing is, um, it's something we already talked about a little bit, is, is when God called Jonah, Jonah was nothing special. Jonah was just a regular guy doing regular things. He had no special training. He had no special gifts. He had not gone to seminary. He had not gone to school to be a prophet, to proclaim it to the city of Nineveh. He didn't go to a workshop. He didn't get an online certificate. He was just a regular person. And I think about my own life, how many times I've let excuses like that keep me from doing something new that I felt called to. My call to even be a pastor for so long in my life, when I heard the call, it was a good four or five years before I ever even wanted to admit it because I thought I had to know everything about the Bible. I had to have everything figured out before I could ever answer a call. Like, that was not me. I was not the most holy and pious person. I didn't know all of the scriptures. I couldn't quote it chapter and verse to you. And I thought that's what a pastor was in my own life. And I ran from it. I tried to block out this call. I denied it. I wanted to do everything else that might seem like close to being a pastor, but not really being a pastor. And I ran from it. And here's the thing. God wants to do something in everyone's life. God wants to do something in everyone's life. You don't need a special training to do it. God wanted to do something special in Jonah's life. And even if he didn't have the credentials to do it, God called him to it and kept that call alive. And here's the thing I think that's even funnier is he, Jonah might actually be the most prolific preacher ever. Because in chapter 3, this is literally all he preached. He was not real happy to have him to, it was a, remember it was a three-day walk across this whole city of Nineveh. And so the first day he goes and starts walking through the, the city in, in verse 4 here. And he says, for, this is all that Jonah says, for 40 days... Oh, for 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's all he says to the people. And the whole city starts repenting. Like, I wish I could walk into a city, say, I guess it's a compound sentence. We'll give him that. Like, it was like almost two sentences with that and clause in between them, right? But one full, complete compound sentence. He says that, and the whole city starts repenting and putting on sackcloth. Like, what? Like, he was great at it, and he didn't even want to do it. Oftentimes, those things I think we run from, we, we don't even want to admit because someone else might have to point out that we were actually gifted for that call. 
I think the, the second thing that we can learn from Jonah is that God will call us to face things that we don't want to face. The calling of God, it, 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 the way I've experienced it at least, it's never been to something that was going to be easy or what I was jumping in ready to do. It's always been something that was going to be hard, that I didn't necessarily want to face. A little history on, on Nineveh. The Ninevites were, were, were Jonah's people's enemy. And in just a few hundred years, the Ninevites would actually conquer Jerusalem. Jonah knew that this was not a good place to be going to. He would have to face some hard things that he didn't want to face. A turnaround is a new adventure. There are going to be unexpected things that we will have to face. There are going to be things that we have to give up when we make a turnaround. There's going to be risk involved. There's going to be things that are going to be disrupted. Because I think all of us, we, we, we want to create a fine life and facing the kind of turnarounds God calls us to often disrupt those fine lives. What's, our, what's your own Nineveh? What's the Nineveh that you're facing? Because when we begin to name that, we begin to understand why we run. Jonah runs because he's not quite sure he's the one for the job and he's going to have to face his enemy. Sometimes we run because we, we feel unworthy. Sometimes we, we avoid having to face it because we don't know what God is calling us to. We just don't know. It's an unknown thing that we're going to have to face. We run because we're, we're broken people. We run because we don't, we think God, might, we think we actually might know better than God, right? Like, oh no, God, like that's not, we don't need to do that. And that's how Jonah really, this is what he does in chapter four. Like, God, like I knew you were gracious, God. Like I knew they were all going to repent and you were going to forgive them. Like, why did I even need to do this? Like, I knew better than you. We run because we carry our past with us. We carry our past failures. We think it's always going to be that way when we move forward. And lastly, responding will not be easy. Responding will not be easy. Uh, back when I was a kid, my favorite toy by far was Legos. I love Legos, and uh, I think I was probably in high school when my mom threatened to get rid of all my Legos. Um, they had been stored in like those uh, under-the-bed plastic storage things. I'd you know taken them somewhat apart, but I like to keep. Like I just didn't have. Okay, I'm a little more OCD. Um, like I had like most of them all together still, and that was like the kids and my kids are like this. They just like have like a big bucket of Legos, and it drives me nuts. Like I like to have things like built and like keep them built. Um, and so, like, even as a high school kid, I still had all of my Legos, like, built under my bed at my house. My mom was like, you got to get rid of these before you go to college. Like, we don't need these. So I convinced my grandmother to storm at her house. So, um, so they are st still at my grandmother's house. And my kids now, when we go over to her house, I, had, I got them out of the closet that we had stored them in. And I think coincidentally, apparently, Legos also suffered because I was probably their best consumer. Um, so in the, the early 2000s, Legos actually... Uh, it was near bankruptcy, which is, is hard to think about today because they're, they're such a strong brand. And in 2015, they actually became the, the top-selling toy manufacturer. They toppled Mattel. Sorry, Barbie. Um, <laughs> and 
they face a tremendous opportunity here. They had to, to shrink down their product line and focus on their core things of what they did really well. They grew partnerships. Uh, it's when they, they stepped into the, to making the, the, the Star Wars Legos. They faced a lot of challenges. There was a lot of unknowns. One of the reasons I, their sales were declining so much in the late 90s and early 2000s was because kids were starting to use other forms of entertainment, particularly digital entertainments of video games. And as the you know, streaming started picking up, they faced some real adversity and real challenges. And it wasn't going to be easy to respond to this change. Jesus, and when he met, comes into our own life, he messes some things up. It's not going to be easy to respond. It's not always going to be convenient. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be uncomfortable risk. But here's the thing. To experience the newness the new life, the new beginnings that, that God wants to usher into your life during this turnaround, you've got to walk into the doorway, even if it's uncomfortable. Because <clears throat> following Jesus is not about safety. It's not about predictability. It's not about stability. It's not about finding one good thing and holding on to it forever. If you're serious about new beginnings, about a new horizon in your life, about a new day, you've got to be open to the turnarounds. And so Jonah has this encounter with God in the chapter 4 at the very end. As I, as I was mentioning earlier, Jonah's a little upset about having to go all the way from his home to Nineveh just to do what he knew God was going to do all along, which was to save the Ninevites. And Jonah's sitting under this tree or this little tree, and he was getting a little shade. He was getting really hot, and he was like, man, I just want to die here. Like, why did I do all this? And this is what, what, what God asked Jonah at the very end, starting at verse 10 in chapter 4. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the greatest city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? The book ends with this question for Jonah. And it's in this question that, that God's asking Jonah, do you really just want to go back to the beginning and keep running? Or do you want to respond and celebrate the call that I've placed upon your life to do something special? Do you want to just go back to the beginning? Go back to the beginning where you run, that you know better and you want to run. Or do you want to live into this calling to do something special? And we don't know Jonah's answer. It literally ends with this question. We don't know what Jonah's response was to God. And here's the thing. I don't think it really matters what Jonah's response is. I think it ends with this question because God wants to know what is our answer to this question. Are you willing to do something new? When faced with this turnaround, are you willing to want God, are you, do you want God to do something new in your life? Because God's going to call you to face some things you don't want to face. 
God's going to call you to do some hard things. But it's this response, the answering of this question, that's the doorway to the new beginning. It's the doorway to the new beginning when we begin to answer this question. Are you willing to move forward in what God's up to? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, God, we thank you so much for the ways that you nudge us, you tap us, you call us, you interrupt our lives. And God, it's in those moments that we have the opportunity to say yes to you, to say, yes, God, I'm willing to be uncomfortable. I'm willing to take a bold step. God, give us the faith right now, even if it's just a small step. Give us the faith right now to step out, to make those turnarounds possible in our life, in our relationships, in our jobs. God, we thank you for your grace that forgives us when we've ran, when we've avoided, when we've blocked it out. God, give us the ears and the hearts and the eyes to see and hear and feel you the way that you are moving in this room right now. God, we thank you for your grace and your love and for loving us so much. Praise in Christ's name. Amen.